morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyland. Lawson. Lawson, what kind of a weekend did you have? Oh, I'm, I'm you know, happy I survived, actually. Okay. Yeah, I got into a fist fight at church. Yes. And luckily, um, you know, I didn't, I I actually won that fight. Okay, so you beat the, beat the, beat the, beat, beat this, I beat this person up. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, double April Fool's, April 11th, double April Fool's. I don't think you had many people believe it. But I did go to church, actually. Interestingly, I left church early because I was feeling really unwell. I like had a big headache and felt really sick, and I left church early, and I went home, and I went to sleep, and I woke up, and then all of my unwell symptoms were gone. And I think it was just simply the fact that I had, like, driven home from Kingscliff on the Wednesday and I was super tired and just worked the next two days, stayed up late, woke up early, came and did radio. And then, like, on Saturday, I was at church and my body was like, you're done. You need to stop. So, as soon as I ate lunch after church, I went home, went to sleep and woke up. I was like, whoa. Like, my head doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new feeling. Hey. This is called not being burned out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I'm, I'm feeling good. How about you, Lyle? Oh, I'm absolutely feeling amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Lord is good. Um, there are so many blessings. I don't even know where to start counting all of them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. This morning, we are about to get into positively different news. Before we do so, we have the 100-point question for our quiz. Lawson, what have we got? All right, for 100 points, what special headwear will be the heavenly reward for faithful service on Earth? And in fact, the last song was very much a clue to this 100-point question. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Um, again, that question was, what special headwear will be the heavenly reward for the faithful service, uh, for faithful service on earth? Um, yeah, Lyle, well, don't outro the song that we just had. Don't, don't tell people the name. Um, because if you tell them, that would be the answer. That would yeah, be the clue right there. Uh, we're, we're sorry that we can't tell you who, well, we know Matthew Mole sang that song, but. Yeah. That's all we're going to say about it. <laughs> anything, anything else that I've said, you must forget. Yeah, that's right. Leave it Leave it out of your brain. That's awesome. All right. What's Posit- going on? Positively different news, Lawson. Pos- yeah. Po- okay, we're going to talk about a couple of different positively different news stories. Oh, something I just want to mention. This isn't something I, I was going to bring up for positively different news, but it's just something to bring up. We had uh, one of the, the highest attended sports events ever in Australian history. Yesterday. That was really quite remarkable, and I was not expecting. I always thought that you know one of our uh, football codes would have had the highest tended sporting event of all time. Yep, but the Formula One yesterday in Melbourne. Um, I actually just looked it up. You know what? It, I actually I lied to you, Lyle. I was talking to Lyle in the break. I was like, I heard that the the Formula One on the weekend was the most highly attended sporting event ever. Um, I actually lied to you. Do you know what the actual highest attending sport event in Australia history was? No. Um, the 1995 Formula One race. Really? Yeah. 
Really? Like, this is the ones with the highest ticket sales. That was that surprises me. That's right. Well, it's ultimately because the events go over three days and they shut down an entire city to be able to run them. And so, if you live in that city, it's like, wow. Well, Might as well go to the event. That's right. That's right. But um, it was in the. Uh, it was a spectacular event. It's. I think it was the highest attended like Formula One race in like maybe the last ten years. See, everybody well. just come out of COVID lockdown. It's like, oh, there's something we can go to. Let's That's go. That's right. Literally every sporting like franchise and everything is just booming at the moment. Like because people have been starved from it. That's right. There's there's a place to go and people will go to it. This is awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I watched the the Grand Prix yesterday and I was sad because my favorite driver uh, had a mechanic. Mechanical failure for the second time this year. That was Max Verstappen. He uh, failed out of the race and Charles Leclerc won the race. So I was like, well, good for him. Anyways, let's have a... Okay, we're going to talk about some some stuff to do with health today. And the first thing I'm going to talk about, this is very, very complex here. Guys, um, really start to take notes. Doctors have found that breathing is good for you. Really? Yes. Maybe we should do it more often. Yeah, yeah, well, well, that's that's well, not only more often. But if you do it too often, then you hyperventilate. So maybe <laughs> not too that's often. That's right. Uh, but not often enough, then you find yourself in... Dead. Yeah, definitely more trouble than... Uh, Pretty much everybody that uh, has passed away <laughs> has died from lack of breathing. <laughs> that's right. That Well, that is definitely a symptom of mm-hmm. of their eventual uh, demise. Yeah, imminent demise. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, anyways, so they have, there's some research that has been released. This is actually in regards to deep breathing. Um, and they say that, like, just the, the action of breathing deeply um, really reduces an infectious disease's ability to be able to attack your lungs and spread virally. Which is, I think, very applicable to the kind of current COVID situation that we're in. But there's a lot of, like, common diseases that we catch that have the ability to uh, infect the lungs, uh, but also infect the rest of your body. And apparently, just breathing deeply really stops that infection in its tracks. That's amazing. Yeah. So, how they actually came to this conclusion was that uh, they may they have this artificial lung uh, at this particular university, the Weiss Institute at Harvard University, um, they have an artificial lung and then they insert like different types of viruses in it and they do different lung movements to see what happens. Uh, and they found that a general like deep breathing motion of the lung just like stopped the viral infection in its tracks. It just the, the, the infection just like, I don't know, got catch st- COVID. Breathe deeply. Just, just breathe. Just breathe in and out. Find some place with fresh air. I mean, the easiest way to breathe deeply is to do some exercise. That's right. So do some exercise in the fresh air, get the blood pumping, get the heart and lungs going, and you will be much better off. But It's, it's pretty old science. It, anyway. This is pretty old science. Even just the classic, like, taking 10 deep breaths. All right, guys, I'm going to do it right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. for do it during the song break. That's right. Uh, do some really, really deep breaths. Um, and it's just, like, generally good for you. Helps concentration, helps you not get sick, and helps you be healthier. Okay. Oh, another ground law. This is, this is wild. Okay, guys, please, please take notes. Groundbreaking research coming out here. If you drink water, you will be healthier. 
Okay, so this is this is all of this is today's new research. Yeah, that's right. Breathing is good for you, and water is good. Yes, for you. that's right. If you stay hydrated, you will be healthier. There's a reason why Jesus described himself as being the water of life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's probably a reason why he breathed on them and 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 told them to receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. That's you know these are probably <laughs> things that are telling us things that you know thousands of years ago. <laughs> Jesus knew that these were really healthy things to do, and so he used them as symbols of being spiritually healthy. Well, this specific study that I have here is in regards to heart failure, and it basically linked the you know heart failure to dehydration uh, by taking a a fifteen thousand strong group of adults uh, who uh, signed up to a study between nineteen eighty seven and nineteen eighty nine. Uh, these specific adults, they weren't you know they they tried to find adults who cut out a lot of factors that could lead to heart failure, such as, you know, obesity, obesity or other different factors and whatnot. Um, they tried to find, like, strong, healthy adults at this age and then track them for, like, the next 25 years. They were, they were looking for specifically middle-aged people because those, uh, you know, from the middle age to, to, you know, the elderly are those who are the most at risk at getting heart disease. Uh, oh, sorry, um, heart failure. And so then they tracked them over this time and they did a number of studies uh, linked with hydration like looking at how much like salts in their body and and whatnot you know salt versus water and they ultimately found that those who were more hydrated had less of a risk of developing uh heart failure now this out of this group they found out of this like fifteen thousand person group uh roughly a thousand of them developed some kind of heart failure just showing like how heart Failure is like a pretty prominent disease among these ages. Um, and, and again, there are other factors that come into that, but they found by far, you know, those who were healthiest, those who were best off, those who were keeping heart disease away and weren't at risk with those who were very well hydrated. Drink lots of water. There's the key to it, guys. Just get your eight glasses of water in per day. But I know for myself as well, and this was something that was uh, particularly important when i when i was a sporting guy when i was when i was an athlete like hydration in general everyone talks oh stay hydrated but in my case the reason we'd stay hydrated was yes so that we'd have better physical function um, but a big key to that was concentration concentration was like massive for us for for those of you who don't know i used to be a, a professional level motorbike rider and while i was doing that like hydration was so 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 important um and that was because some studies have been released around the time that i was racing where there was like a this links between hydration and concentration and like only a small drop in your hydration would lead to massive deficits in concentration so these f1 guys that were racing on the weekend how much do you reckon they would be drinking Oh, it is race. crazy, especially in, in F1 and like NASCAR and stuff where the races are quite long. Like the races that I were doing was between 45 minutes to an hour. In F1, they're around one and a half to two hours. And then like you've got um, like NASCAR where it's like three, four hours. They're, lo- they're losing like five to six kilos in water during the race. And are they hydrating while they're doing that? Do they carry um, water? Yeah, they, they do have uh, like access to drink. Water like, uh, yeah, like a thing that goes into their mouth. What do they call that? Like a camel pack or whatever it may be. Um, they do because simply simply they need it. You, you lose so much water. And at, it's at this point where in a lot of motorsports, like when guys are coming to the end of races, um, I, I think particularly of like motocross, a lot of them get on like an IV drip. 
um, to re- rehydrate themselves, which is like that's not healthy. It, it's the same, you know, triathlete level as well. Same in like the Tour de France and whatnot. Wow. Um, but it's just to the point where like hydration is so key for them for that concentration that they just absolutely need it. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And the 200 point question is coming your way. All right, for 200 points. How many loaves of bread, along with two fish, did Jesus turn into a meal for 5,000 men? Or it was 5,000 men and then accompanying women and children. So lots and lots of people. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 200 points, you can win yourself a faith... Uh, no, you can't. You can win yourself an issue of Science Magazine, or you can get your points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. Again, that question was, how many loaves of bread, along with two fish, did Jesus turn into a meal for 5,000 men? Okay, so we've got a text message coming through here, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek happening. This is amazing news. Imagine breathing and water is good for you. Wow, scientists are so smart. I'm actually speechless. Speechless. (laughs) The next research will probably be... Death is bad for you. <laughs> Goes on. I'm only joking. Appreciate that. Trying to find optimal health performance for people and sports women and women, men and women. Yes, sports, but also us. This is the. I, I didn't actually get to make this point. I was talking about concentration. You know, guys, guys, like. If you're at your job or studying or whatever it may be, and you might feel, man, I'm pretty scattered. I might need to take some Adderall. I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of predisposition you have, but regardless, drink some water. Yes. You will concentrate Make all better. all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so we've been following the story of the Finnish government minister, uh, Paivi Rasanen, for uh, a number of well, probably the last year at least, mm-hmm. she was on trial in Finland for defending the biblical family. Uh, she published a book, her and another uh, clergyman published published a book called, or a booklet called Male and Female, He Created Them. And this presents, you know, your standard, biblical, your standard biblical family model that has been preached by Christianity for the last 2,000 years, that has been preached by Judaism for, you know, 2,000 years before that, that was preached by all followers of God for the last 6,000 years. You know, there is nothing new, nothing controversial. And was preached by society. By society, all of society until about, what, five years ago? Yeah, that's right. Anyway... Of course, she was on trial for her faith mm. in Finland, facing a six-year sentence, and the Finnish court threw it out. Wow. Three-judge panel. Uh, this was about a month ago. Mm-hmm. They tossed it out. Uh, well, of course, now she's facing an appeal. The uh, <laughs> prosecutors uh, instantly filed for an appeal, and that's starting to go through its process. Now, and a kind of, you know, the kind of question that goes through my mind is, okay, the prosecutors are pretty motivated and they are endeavouring to make, you know, to create precedent mm-hmm. and to make an example out of this particular woman. And so they're going after her as hard as they can. Where are they getting the money for this? Mm. You know, this is an expensive procedure. They had to cover all of the court costs of the court case where they failed. Ooh, that's tough. That's deep. These guys are well-funded. Somebody's spending a lot of money to attack Christianity right here. And the question, the other question that goes through my mind is this. Why are they singling out Christianity? You know, why not go after Islam? Why not go after Judaism? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why they don't go after those two. If they go after Judaism, that would be very unwoke because it would be people persecuting Jews again yeah. because of, you know, the recent history of the Holocaust and so forth. 
people would be like, oh, you know, this is just Jewish persecution. Yeah, this is just anti-Semitism. Anti- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they don't, so they're not going to go after Jews. Why aren't they going to go after Muslims? Because somebody will put a bomb in their office. Mm. You know, we've seen that over and over and over again. Uh, so, you know, when you, when you look at this right here, it's like, okay, let's go after the soft target. Mm-hmm. You know, if these guys really had the guts of their conviction, convictions, they would go after, you know, Islam takes a much stronger stand, sadly, than Christianity, because Christianity should be taking a strong biblical stand on the biblical family model. Mm-hmm. But, but Islam takes a it takes a, a stronger stand because lots of churches that affirm all kinds of stuff, whereas Islam, Islam is like, no, that's it. You know, there's the biblical family model, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, and then if you look at some particular countries, then they're like throwing people who oppose that off of buildings and and whatnot. Yeah. So it's it's pretty gnarly, um, and it is. obviously, like, and even just the recent history in Europe, like, uh, what was it in France, like a couple months ago, where the guy made a joke about the Prophet Muhammad, and then some guy, uh, it was like a teacher made a joke, and then the some guy in the class was Islamic, and his brother came and like decapitated the teacher, like. And this is, you know, this is not Islam, and you talk to the, you know your average Muslim on the street, yeah, and they're, they're going to be absolutely horrified, horrified yeah. by it. We understand that, but you know you do get more radical people out there. It's been a long time since I've heard of a Christian reacting to, you know, this kind of opposition in a way like yeah. that. The Bible teaches us to turn the other cheek, and so that means that these gutless wonders out there are just going to go after soft targets. Yeah, that's right. That's ultimately it. Like they just have no spine, and they just they just uh, that's anyway so lame. Uh, one of the big problems with this, of course, is in relationship to hate speech because you know the Bible is defined by as as being full of hate speech by modern hate speech definitions but the problem with hate speech is that there is no definition for what hate speech is mm-hmm. because hate speech basically can be defined as anybody saying something that you disagree with well if that is going to be the case then we can have no meaningful discussions whatsoever mm-hmm. at all ever it shuts down all meaningful conversations. Yeah, there are things that Lyle says that I disagree with all the time. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm not calling him out for hate speech. Now you call me out on air while I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, but you can't... It, it, it shuts down all speech. Mm. You know, once you go down... The hate speech concept is such a terrible, terrible concept because it does away with any kind of expression of ideas. And if we can't express ideas, we can't understand ideas, we can't explore ideas, and that's just terrible for society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's just from a free, free speech perspective, uh, you know, let alone the religious liberty perspective. So, you know, a biblical exposition on the biblical family, and once again she's on trial for her faith. Moving on from there, we did say that we would talk about megachurches this morning and the Houstons have revealed a text that was sent to Brian Houston's wife, Bobby, and they've claimed that she was fired by text message as being the co-senior pastor of the Hillsong Churches. And the claim and has now been made by um, the Houstons that the church has lost its soul. And so we're kind of, kind of starting to see this whole situation really, really implode mm. as you get to see the two sides of this very difficult situation, very painful situation. Rather than quietly moving on, they're starting to hurl insults at each other. Yeah, it's hectic. This is the kind of thing that you see so often when these kind of ministries break up and it always causes people to be hurt, to lose their faith in God, to walk away from God. We need to pray for everybody who's involved in this right now. But, you know, when you look at the recent 
uh, spate of events with Hillsong and you sort of think, well, you know, are they saying that Hillsong lost its soul because Bobby was fired by text message? Well, I don't know the details of that, but, you know, you've got Carl Lentz, who was obviously fired after a long string of affairs. Mm. You've got Reed and Je- Jess Bogart. Uh, he was Carl, Carl was from the New York City Church. They were from the Dallas Church. Uh, who were fired because they misused their expense cards and he had an affair. You've got Daryl Barrett from the New Jersey campus. Um, he was fired because he was sending sexual pictures. Yikes. Um, you've got the Pekasoviches, who we spoke about last week, who were blackmailed. You know, the list starts to go on and on and on, and it's like, okay, at what point did this church lose its soul? And we need to stop and think about this, and we need to ask ourselves the question, what's going on here, and why is this taking place? One of the things that I would like to point out is the dangers inherent in the prosperity gospel. Mm. Wherever you've got the prosperity gospel being preached, you've got a church that is saturated in the flesh. It is saturated in an appeal to the flesh. When you attend the worship services and you hear the sermons, it's all about you and making you feel good, and there's nothing there about sacrifice. Mm. There's nothing there about you know giving your life for Jesus Christ. I just don't see it. There is all about, yes, you make a sacrifice. Because if you make a sacrifice, you can get, 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 get. Mm-hmm. And that to me breeds a an environment in which these kind of corruptions can come in. But Tim Keller, who is author and pastor in the United States and former pastor, retired pastor of a megachurch, he's actually come out with a really interesting post on Facebook where he's talked about uh, megachurches and described them as being poor places for spiritual uh, for spiritual formation and pastoral care. So he actually split his megachurch up before mm-hmm. he retired. And he's like, you're better off to have 10 churches of 400 people, a church of 400 people, that's a decent-sized church, yeah, scattered good. throughout a city, having its influence right the way through the city, rather than one church of 4,000. 100%. You can do so yeah. much more, he says. And he says mega churches they end up depending on their founder, uh, the pastor, the founder then sees the church as his possession and his identity. He never wants to leave. He never knows how to leave. We're seeing that happening with Hillsong. And he says, look, it's best to leave at your peak. Break it up and spread the blessings around. I think Tim Keller is on the money right here. And we are seeing it sadly taking place in Hillsong. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have joining us on the phone, Etienne McClendock, but before we have Etienne, we have the next clue for our quiz. All right, for 300 points, what greedy prophet was saved from death by a talking donkey? 0491 is the number to call. If you know the answer for 300 points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, for 300 points, what greedy prophet was saved from death by a talking donkey. I don't think this is a 300 point. It should be a 100 point. This is like one of the funniest stories in the Bible. It's hilarious. Maybe like they just, maybe Shell thinks the name is hard to get, but if you write talking donkey into into Google, like this will, this will be the first thing that comes up. Oh, other than like Eddie Murphy and Shrek. <laughs> but, but, but no, this should be the, this is where they got the inspiration. So, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we're joining us on the phone this morning to talk about uh, persecution of Christians around the world is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Lawson. Thank you for having me on the show again. And Etienne, we were just talking about uh, Paevi Rasanen there in Finland as part of the news story this morning. The prosecutors, you know, appealing appealing to have uh, another crack at, at imprisoning her for six years. We've got cases like uh, Muhammad Case, who's just been jailed for 10 years in uh, Indonesia. And, you know, we've looked at places like Indonesia as being, you know, okay, it's not so safe to be a Christian there. But now we're seeing that pretty much anywhere, when you've got a first world country like Finland, is no longer safe to be a Christian either. Exactly. Well, woke ideology is really attacking some of the early principles that were established in God's word. I mean, we know there are two institutions that were taken from uh, from creation. One was the Sabbath, and the other one was the marriage institution. But they're redefining that whole relationship between a, a man and a woman, whether it be through same-sex marriage, whether it be through you know sexual identities or uh, uh, what do they call it, gender fluidity, um, non-binary, you name it. And there's I don't know about a hundred different um, I guess genders that have now been identified. And they all want different uh, names to be used for it. So whenever you quote scripture, which goes contrary to this woke ideology where there's always to be a victim and a victimizer, uh, you are now in trouble. So the Bible's become very unpopular. And uh, that's, a, that's a challenge not only in countries where we typically operate with persecution, but more and more in Western countries we see this happen. The church has been silent for too long. And unfortunately, you know, when, when often we hear people who have a differ, differing opinion to ours, which is shaped by uh, the Bible, quite often we just get quiet and go, oh, look, I won't argue at this time, I'll try and win them. But I think we've erred on the side of caution too much. And unfortunately, we haven't quite been the salt and the light. And we've tried to find, you know, better ways to share, but we quietly did that. And unfortunately, that hasn't really worked for us because we haven't been an influence in society like we should have. And I just think, you know, typically when things go easy, uh, human nature being what it is, even Christians go, go a bit easy. Um, the opportunities during a couple of hundred years of freedom that we have enjoyed, and, 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 and let me say that this freedom, if you look at the rest of history, is, is not normal. Yes, it's an it's aberration uncommon. of history. It's an aberration, exactly. But we haven't fully taken advantage of that. I think a few people have, you know, when the love of the Lord has compelled them and taken over their lives and they've been so grateful because of sins forgiven and reconciliation with God, that they've wanted others to experience that as well. But um, look, the optimal place for people to actually uh, share the gospel, believe it or not, is actually where there's some level of persecution, where you have to take some risks for the Lord. And that kind of uh, example of sharing Christ with others and being prepared to suffer is very, very powerful in bringing many people to Christ. And typically when people join the church there, it's not for prosperity reasons. You spoke about the prosperity gospel earlier. It's actually just simply because of the right thing, because they realize that God is their maker and their relationship to God is closer than anybody else, that in Christ we live and move and have our being. We're not separated from them. And even those who oppose the gospel actually have their lives uh, contained in Christ, and He sustains them, giving them enough opportunity to actually repent and turn from their wickedness. Uh, you know, all of us have sinned, and all of us need salvation. And if we keep on refusing it, one day we will actually receive the penalty on that. You know, um, hell does await those who actually uh, do not receive Christ. But the thing is, God doesn't come to us at this stage as a judge. He comes to us as Savior and Lord. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. 
And, you know, his role will change. Uh, ultimately, he will do what he can, and he wants to do a lot of it through his church to save people. And uh, you mentioned the, uh, the prosperity gospel before. If you ever want to hear something that beautifully counteracts the prosperity gospel, come and ask someone from Voice of the Martyr to share an update on persecution around the world. Yes. Because you know, when you come to the Lord, you may not get a new car, a better job, a better career, a better income, and all that, you know, and prosper in this world. You will prosper spiritual, spiritually for sure. But you may end up in prison. You may never see your family again. You may not have a job. You may not know where your next meal is coming from. You may be thrown into a labor camp where, you know, they don't give you enough food and you may actually just die simply because of exhaustion, because you've, they've overworked you. Uh, it's a very different way of looking at, at the gospel. And the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. Uh, it doesn't actually fit the scripture. You have to manipulate some text out of the context to actually come up with a, with a teaching like that. Yes, indeed. You have a very different perspective on Christianity when you work in the job that you're doing, Etienne, with Voice of the Martyrs. Um, and what you see as a result of the you, what the, the power of the gospel that you see in people's lives because what you're seeing is people's lives who are really genuinely being transformed and changed so that it does not matter what happens in this world. They're looking forward to a better world. Absolutely. And look, and some of the people we see are remarkable stories. Some of them would just be ordinary stories. But, for example, we've got stories coming out of, uh, Ukraine at the moment, where a young 26-year-old man, you know, just a Christian man, uh, he works in IT and he was doing the AV for their church, but, you know, when the war started, uh, he obviously lost his job and uh, he took his wife, they had just been married not too long ago, he took it to the west where it's safe and he's in the east and uh, he was working there helping people. So his church set up a volunteer service where they would help and identify people that needed help and take them to safety. And they were moving one to 200 people a day. And this happened over weeks. And uh, the one day when he was just helping a, a lady uh, with her two children to safety, he got hit by mortar from behind and he got killed. So his wife, um, you know, is now a widow, but she's been very uh, encouraged because of his relationship with the Lord, his influence on her as well. And she actually said this, you know, she said, we must continue to work tirelessly in the Lord's work precisely because we will also be raised from the dead as Christ was risen. Mm. Everything we do to draw people to the kingdom and strengthen their faith will be truly eternal, for we will all be resurrected on the day when Christ returns and gives and lives with us. So they realize that this life is just temporary. Whether you die now or die later, unless the Lord shortens that, all of us are going to die. And she believes that, you know, we've got to work and help others. So he sacrificed his life, you know, in service to Christ and to others while he was just helping family members. And the day before, he actually helped to shift 400 people to safety from where they were in the, uh, in the eastern part where there's been a lot of uh, fighting. We also have some other guys, for example. There were five men who were killed. Uh, they were going around just helping. The church were actually housing 200 people uh, as, a, as a bomb shelter. You know, and, and they had a bit of a, a thing underground where they had storage. And uh, they were just running around. You know, sometimes they'll see signs, help a baby here, need food. And they'll go and they'll help these people, bring them to church. And then the one guy, actually before they died, they actually brought a guy to Christ. His name was uh, Vova. And uh, his house had been uh, hit by bombs a, a number of times, and then a fire, it was smoldering, and then a fire issue, but he was trapped underneath with all the debris lying on top of the door that actually released him. And then they heard that there was a man in there because someone had cried for help, so they actually, with limited water, somehow improvised, risked their, their, li their lives in many respects in getting burnt, 
They saved this guy. When they got him, they actually fed him, they clothed him, they gave him medicine, and they brought him to Christ. But it was the very next day when they were traveling to get some more supplies that they were hit by uh, by a mortar or some sort of bomb, and they all died. So they've left, you know, five families behind now, some of them with children. But this is what's happening. These, these churches in, in the Ukraine are doing a wonderful work helping those that they can, risking their lives. Um, but we also see that uh, there's been, even in Russia, there's been a, a, a compromise offered to many of the churches. And uh, the, the Russian uh, government, they actually ran a, a, a bit of a, it almost reminds me of the story of Richard Wormbrand during the Kingdom of the Cult, anybody who's watched the movie Torture for Christ. Um, they wanted to, well, the Russians have been saying that the Ukraine is filled with Nazis and that Ukraine has been Nazified and actually going to rescue and, and, and damp down on, on Nazis. So the world religion, uh, religious leaders in, in Russia were asked to actually endorse that. So they actually not allowed to say anything contrary to the war. And many of the leaders actually went in and did that and uh, spoke out against it. But there was a handful of, um, of pastors that actually, 400 of them, to matter, as a matter of fact, who actually wrote against the war, though it's now illegal. There's a law that says they cannot speak against the war. They can only endorse what Russia is doing. But they just wrote this letter. said, Dear compatriots, the army is conducting full-scale military operations in another country, dropping bombs and rockets on the cities of our neighboring Ukraine. As believers, we assess uh, what is happening as a grave sin of a fratricide, the sin of Cain, who raised his hand against his brother Abel. No political interests or goals can justify the death of innocent people. So these are now Russian pastors writing this, right? Yes. Old men, women, children are dying. Soldiers on both sides are dying. Cities and infrastructures are being destroyed. In addition to military targets, excuse me, <coughs> I spent out with COVID about a week ago, so I'm still coming recovering from that. Mm. There's in addition to military targets, shells, bombs, destroy hospitals, civilian buildings and residential buildings. Many people have become refugees. The war zones are on the verge of a humanitarian catastrophe. Today, the moment has come when each of us must call a spade a spade. While we still have a chance to avoid punishment from above and prevent the collapse of our country, we need to repent that for what we have done. First of all, before God and then before the people of Ukraine. We must give up lies and hatred. We call on the authorities of our country to stop this senseless bloodshed. 400 ministers from uh, uh, evangelical churches in Russia. Wow. So they've actually risked their lives and stood up against you know what's happening there. But you know, while the Ukraine war continues and captivates the attention of the world, uh, you know, problems in Afghanistan still continue. For example, while we, we've identified 264 people there who've been in hot, well, they've been hotly pursued by the Taliban. Uh, some of them have had to change their phone numbers, some we've stayed in contact with. They are very suspicious of everything because they are relentlessly pursued and moving from safe houses to safe houses when they can move. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I just have to get a drink here. Yeah, I guess the question that comes to my mind is we are able to identify these people. Are we able to get them out of Afghanistan? Is there Are there countries that will take them as refugees at this time? Yeah, well, we were able to move some people initially around August, September last year, and some of them have actually been able to settle now in uh, Brazil. Uh, we tried to get some people in here. I know the Australian government said they would take some, but they didn't really so much consider those who were suffering and being persecuted because they were Christians or they were Muslim background believers and they converted to, to Christ. So uh, what happens is some of them have remained behind, and we take them normally through to the Pangea Valley, 
And uh, that typically has been very safe, but there's been a lot of um, military activity there and it's become quite dangerous. So uh, some of these people are continuously pursued. I mean, they've had text messages, they've had um, you know emails sent to them because the government there has all their details and they have passports, they have their passport details as well. So you can't go through the normal government checkpoints to get out of the country because I'm a rescue. Unfortunately, while we've been looking at how we can help these people to get out of the country to safety, because they've caught up in just in the last week while with four of them and they were, they were executed. And the kind of information that was sent to them by text and even email is that uh, you, can, you can keep on fleeing, but finally we'll catch up with you. You're better off actually giving yourself up to us and we will be merciful in your execution. But if you don't, uh, you will have a harsh execution. And so we've been working with these people now. They need uh, you know, passports. In the meantime, they need food because they can't work. Uh, and they're traveling from place to place just relying on the, the charity advocates of, of, um, of strangers. And so we've been working to try and, and help them. We've been trying to work with the, the Australian government, and that's probably one of the options. But to do this for 264 people, to get them passports, to go through the processes, it's quite expensive. So it's a few million dollars. And so that's one of our focuses at the moment, just to try and help these people. And if you go onto our website, vom.com.au, we are currently raising funds um, for these people to try and help them. Because they're in dire straits. As I said, we've already lost some of them. And the longer we wait, the more at risk these people are and the more people we're going to lose. And I think an important factor here is that we know that these are genuine people. They are genuine converts because their lives are at stake. It would be so easy for them to just turn around and say, no, I'm Muslim, you know, and, and walk away from any form of Christianity. But they're not. These are genuine people. Exactly, exactly. Now, look, there's been, um, uh, yeah, there's been GPS tracked. Um, now, they've been on the run since what, July, August last year. And so it's very tough for them. You know, they're uh, economically isolated. So we've been, you know, sending money through where we can using an old system um, where the money doesn't get tracked because if you use the official systems and through the banks and so on, um, there's paperwork to fill it now. It's becoming very hard, you know, because of the, the terrorists, very hard to actually shift money through some of these traditional means. And so we've got some other ways of getting money to them. And sometimes that works slowly. But uh, we do get money out to them, and we do we are able to help them and encourage them. They need to know that uh, you know people are, are praying for them. There are some that have just disappeared. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they're still alive. We've lost contact with them, and so uh, the, the number could be a lot higher for some of the others that you know we we, we no longer have contact with. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I appreciate your report, Etienne, and uh, we're going to have to move on with the show. But very quickly, uh, vom.gov. Uh, sorry, not gov.gov. Um, .org.au, that's the place to go to? Uh, well, it's vom.com. .com. .au. .com. Yes, and also, you get a free book at this time. We've got a good book there by Todd Edmonton at the moment, um, which deals with persecution. It's almost like a 40-day devotional, but each story is different. It tells a background story that people will be blessed by it. So please come and sign up to your newsletter. And please ask us to come and share it at your church. We'd love to come and give a persecution update on what's happening around the world. That would be fantastic, and I think there's lots of uh, churches out there that would love to have you come and speak and be a part of their worship service. Etienne McClintock, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning, and do head over there to uh, vom.com.au, and you have lots of opportunity to be able to support people there. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.